Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, And on our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line, the legendary Peter King. Peter, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, my Monday mornings won't be the same without reading that column, but I did a draft book for 36 years, and so there comes a time where you said, okay, I, I got it, I got to move on, there's yeah. other things to do, but I'm going to miss it, and it was all the great inside news of anything. There's one thing to write about a, a little bit about a story, but to give the insights like you did, nobody else like you, brother. Hey, listen, Mike, thank you so much. That's really, really nice of you. I, you know, look, it was a labor of love. But after a while, you do something uh, for 40 years, and you do it at a level that, honestly, I mean, the last three years I've worked myself. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel sorry for me. I'm not. I'm just stating a fact. At the end of the last three seasons, I've been sick. I mean, I ended this year with double pneumonia. I just... I only know one way how to do it, and that is sort of to lay it all out there and to work pretty hard. So, you know, I I love doing it. I never had a bad day of work in my life, but I just felt like it would be fair to my family, um, uh, really fair to my family to walk away and to do some other things now. Now, uh, Peter, uh, what I appreciate about you, uh, you know, Buddy Diliberto had me come. Uh, this was pre-Katrina to help him out. You know, he was getting up in age yeah. and to help with the Saints and pre and post game training camp and all that stuff. What I appreciate about you and your investment as far as keeping the Saints in New Orleans, you know, golf south, yeah. uh, you, you, you look <laughs> at that. Uh, I mean, uh, think about that. Uh, the golf south Saints, uh, golf coast Saints, New Orleans Saints, whatever it yeah. might be, how important that was that you invested not only in uh, post-Katrina, the Saints in New Orleans, with Paul Tagliabue and all that, but you uh, you bought season tickets. Uh, that, that's freaking unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so it, what was that, just a labor of love and why you thought maybe the NFL was important in New Orleans? I Look, over the years, there's something about New Orleans. There's a lot of teams that are really important to their communities, like – the Denver Broncos are really important to Denver. The Green Bay Packers are really important to Green Bay and Northeast Wisconsin, to all of Wisconsin. And so there are a lot of people in a lot of communities in the country who view that our community would be incredible.
incredibly diminished without our team, but nowhere more so than in New Orleans. And I have this thing that will be forever in my mind. I will never forget being, this was 2006. And as you guys remember, in 2006, the hurt, the pain, physical, mental, uh, civic, was was all over New Orleans. I will. There's a lot of things I'll never forget. But I rode in from the airport with Reggie Bush in the car after he was picked, and he was looking out the window. And I can just tell you, Reggie Bush was thinking, "Oh my God." What have I gotten myself into? Cars up on blocks, whole communities flooded out, you know, houses abandoned, all this stuff. And, 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 and I remember that week I came in a little bit early. My wife and I worked for, uh, we did a, we, she was a lot more than me, but over the years we did a bunch of things for Habitat for Humanity. And so I had her come down with me to cover the draft that year because I was covering it in new Orleans. It was Sean Payton's first year. He was there with Mickey Loomis. And so on Friday before the draft, the draft in those days, I'm pretty sure was Saturday, Sunday. Yes, it was on Friday on Friday. Okay. I called uh, Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis. And I said, listen, you know what you should do if you can on your lunch break on Friday. I know you're, getting your board all set up, everything like that. But you should come over to the Lower Ninth Ward to this Habitat for Humanity uh, build, and you should just shake hands with the people who are here from all over the country and just thank them. These strangers are helping rebuild New Orleans. And Peyton said, I'll come. I'll definitely come. And unbeknownst to me, about an hour before they were supposed to show up, this motorcade comes by and it's President Bush walking into uh, this thing and shaking hands with everybody. And Ray Nagin was there, the mayor. Um, I, there were a lot of politicians there. But and then and then, you know, Peyton and Loomis come in and it's like the highlight of Peyton's life. Peyton loved George Bush. You know, he was a big, big fan, so it was so cool. And, and I watched George Bush was a big Longhorns fan, and he said, hey, Coach, who's going to take Vince Young tomorrow? <laughs> you know, and he goes, <laughs> I, w- I wish I knew, I w- but I just don't know. But anyway, that, that was happening all in that thing. And I remember, God, this is seared in my head. And I know that for a lot of people, Ray Nagin might not have been the most popular mayor. I get it. But Ray Nagin that day said to me, I was standing there interviewing him, and he said, you know, we just need the Saints here for at least one more year just to build a bridge so that we could get this community rebuilt. And the next day, I'm covering the draft, and I go over to the ticket area, and I said, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And they said, well, you know, we need the phone to ring, and hopefully after we take somebody – the phones will start ringing. And so I just said, I want to buy four season tickets. And I had no idea at the time what I was going to do with them. But I bought four season tickets, lower level. 
end zone, about 20 rows up. Let me just say, when I bought them, there were plenty of good seats still available, <laughs> you know. And and then remember what happened next. Yep. That season was just magical. Yeah, and man. the Saints started winning, and all of a sudden – not only are there do people want my season tickets, but now there's a freaking waiting list <laughs> for season tickets. And all I can say, all I can say is, man, God bless New Orleans. What a town, what a fan base, what a place. And, uh, you know, I had some of my fondest. Can I tell you one other New Orleans story? Of course. That you guys yeah. will really like. Okay. So... When Drew Brees later that season started to get on fire, I was also working at the time for HBO for the Inside the NFL show. Drew Brees is on fire, and the Saints are winning, and Brees is doing all this stuff about Katrina, you know, post Katrina to help the city. And he lived in a house over on Audubon Park. And so I met him with my HBO crew, and he had an Akita. He had a dog. And we went for a walk with the dog, and I'm doing a walk and talk, as they call it. He's mic'd up, I'm mic'd up, and we're just talking about him. And all of a sudden, the dog takes a massive dump on camera. Massive. <laughs> and it was, like, it was like five dumps in one. The dog must have been holding it for three days. So anyway, he takes a massive dump. And so my producer had a plastic bag, and she goes, I got it. And Bree said, no. And she goes, no, 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 I got it. And he looks at her sternly, and he goes, hey, I pick up after my dog, nobody else. And so we got that on camera, and it was really a a cool (laughs) thing. Drew Drew Brees will not let people clean up after his dog. He's got to do it. Anyway, I, I have no idea what that means. I just have yeah. always loved telling people that story. Well, uh, you know, Peter, uh, you know, a lot of times uh, things happen in threes. I look at the trifecta, and you mentioned Reggie Bush. And I know the fan base, how ecstatic they were to get Reggie Bush. Oh, no, we, oh, yeah. we're going to win the Super Bowl now. But to me, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and Reggie Bush, that was the trifecta. Now, yeah. uh, uh, Sean Payton's the alpha dog. And uh, it seems yeah. like you've always had a great relationship with him because he respects you, obviously. Uh, you know, it's mutual. Uh, now, Saints fans, where we at now, do you think it's a good or bad move that he went to Denver? I mean, uh, you know, Saints fans, he could have been here for life. Uh, I mean, it seems like. But he was kind of like Bill Parcells, his mentor, always said, he got, you have to I stay one he, step ahead. I think, he, I think he got a little wanderlust, honestly. He just felt like, okay, this team's been listening to me for whatever, 18 years, 16 years, whatever it was. This team's been listening to me for a long time. They need a new voice. He knew it. He could feel it. But at the same time, he wanted the Saints to get the benefit of the, you know, the, uh, you know, the draft picks. So, He said, listen, I'm going to cooperate with whatever it is. I don't want to lose high draft pick or picks, but I'm going to cooperate with that because I want to do the right thing for New Orleans. And so I think it it was the best thing for everybody at the time uh, because I just think he – and I also think he needed to to have a year where he could take a deep breath. Uh, that That was what I sensed all along.
Now, Peter, uh, what is your, because uh, you look, all your experience, all what you've covered, what's your number one relationship uh, covering the NFL? Because that could be from a broad spectrum, but like all yeah. of the people that you've interacted with, uh, what would be the number one relationship? Uh, to me, I'm intrigued with that. Peter, the other thing, too, is you starting out and you get a young Bill Parcells. A young yeah, one yeah. in the coaching as a head coach. That had to really be something uh, to be around him would, in those early days with the Giants. You know, Bobby, I would probably say it's Parcells just because I remember I used to, they used to have this rule around the Giants with the media that, okay, look, no more sidebars with walking out of a press conference with the coach so you get something that the other writers don't so one day I told Bill I said listen if I really need to ask you something I I can't ask it to you at a press conference so he sort of challenged me and he said well if you really want to ask me something be at my parking spot at 545 in the morning because that's about (laughs) the time when I get to work so this was maybe a week later I am standing in his parking spot and it's like 5.45 or 6 o'clock, and he goes, bleepity bleep, are you kidding me? Um, you showed up. And he couldn't believe it. But but then it was like three or four times that year I did that because I said, look, you said I could do this. I won't abuse it, but if ever I really need you, I, I want to be able to do it. And so, But look, you know, Bobby, here's the whole thing. You have to want to do this job. You know, you yep. remember what it was like, you know, when you uh, go to training camp yep. and you say, the hell with being the third quarterback to second. I'm going to win the effing starting job right here, right now. I mean, this is the time of your life. You, you know, yes. this is, you don't get a lot of these chances. And I didn't want to screw it up. And so that's kind of the way I always treated the job. Now, uh, you know, uh, Peter, what is like, because, you know, all the interviews you've done through the years, uh, what interview maybe you regret not getting, or what what was your most satisfying interview? I mean, that could go both (laughs) ways, you know, uh, right or left, whatever. What was most satisfying, then maybe, uh, man, I wanted that interview, and then you regret not getting. Well, I'll tell you, uh, probably the most satisfying one, it wasn't even for me. It was when I had this website at Sports Illustrated called the MMQB, we had a young writer there, a very aggressive, very good young writer named Emily Kaplan. And at the time, I don't know if you remember, you remember the uh, Aaron Andrews story where a guy reversed the peephole on her? Oh, and, yes, in the and, hotel. And, and yes. saw that thing at the hotel. And uh, that was a big, big scandal. The guy got sent to jail. And Erin Andrews, after that, she just didn't want to talk about it. That was something that was so incredibly hurtful. And so I told Emily Kaplan, I said, you need to go try to do this story. You need to do this. And I knew Erin, and Erin had basically said, Peter, I'm not going to talk about this. And I understood, but I told Emily, I said, Emily, you got to go try. So Emily went to her hotel uh, where Fox was, and they had made arrangements just to have a coffee. And I advised Emily, try to do it. And if you can't, hey, listen, just shake hands and say, hey, good luck, good getting to know you, blah, blah, blah. But she walked out of there and said, wow, Aaron's going to talk to me. 
And the reason that that was so good for me that I like so much is because I wanted to see at that point in my life, it was more important for me to help a lot of these young writers who I was emotionally invested in that I wanted to see do well. So that, that was, that was one that I'll never forget. And probably the other one, I can't think of one that I didn't get that I really wanted. I'm sure there are a lot of them, but the one, the other one that I was really proud of getting is a week after the Super Bowl when Brady led the Patriots back from 28 to three to beat Atlanta. <laughs> the Saints fans uh, love know, that <laughs> and yeah, still love he, it. <laughs> he, he, he allowed me to come up to uh, meet him after he got off the ski slope the next Sunday at two in the afternoon in Nowheresville, Montana. So I met him. We spent about an hour, hour and a half together. I recorded it, used it as a podcast, and I wrote it. And that is one I'm I'm really proud of, uh, you know, because of the immediacy of it and the fact that everybody in the world wanted to talk to him, and I was the guy who ended up talking to him. Peter, now, Peter, uh, it was uh, that the picture that Giselle took, and they had on there photographed yeah. by Giselle? Photographed by Giselle Bunchen. <laughs> oh, wow. That was hilarious. That was better. For a lot of people, that was better than the story. Oh, my God. <laughs> Giselle Bunchen got a photo credit in Sports Illustrated. That's the craziest thing. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, Peter, when I look at now, uh, because everyone trusts your opinion, and I don't know, the rich get rich. You look at the NFL. Come on. The NBA, Major yeah. League Baseball, wish they were the NFL. Uh, you can look at all major sports and the money that's involved. But what gives you hope, or I should say a hope, or even pause with the NFL going forward? Okay, because you look well, okay, 2024, because th- that's kind of a broad question. But, but what's your, if you look in your crystal ball, well, where do you think the NFL is going going forward? Well, I think there's two things I'd be worried about if I were the NFL. One is uh, this uh, unending desire to get in bed with, uh, you know, the sports gambling element. Um, and look, I'm not naive. If it's going to be legal in 38 states, people are going to bet on football games, and I right. get it. But in my opinion, as aggressive, the NFL has been so aggressive in seeking out every dollar. Um, with all of these gambling interests that I worry that in six, seven, eight years from now, uh, it's, I mean, a lot of people now go to AA meetings and they're alcoholics. And I fear that Gamblers Anonymous is going to be, is going to have more clients six, eight, ten years from now than Alcoholics Anonymous. I think that Whoa. is probably. I think that's my biggest fear. Well, well, well the and, NFL, and, and, and because people, uh, and, and, and Peter, when you think about this, yeah. uh, this happened. Uh, listen, uh, I was I was born in 1960, but I read. I I'll look at what happened to Alex Karras and Paul Horning. So you yeah, think that's yeah. going to go away? History always repeats itself. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if players will get involved. All I know is that. I think there are going to be – you think there are kids in high school right now and in college who have found some way to get around the whatever the system is and place bets 
at too early an age. And not just them, but obviously people in their 20s and 30s, they're totally uh, hooked right now at gambling, during games, before games, all that stuff. So, look, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna about this. I understand people are going to gamble. But it just looks to me, the way I see it, the NFL is looking for every last buck on this, and I think it's going to haunt them. I think the one other thing that concerns me and always has, you know, basically for the last probably 15 years is, you know, the, the issues involving head trauma. It's a violent game. We all know this, but the NFL needs desperately to stay on uh, the issue of player safety and head trauma and to make absolutely sure they do everything in their power to, uh, to make helmets better, to make equipment better, to make the fields better, to make sure that there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, Dave Dewersons and Andre Waters is and, and junior say I was going forward. Peter, uh, Bobby gave me a big amen when you talked about head oh, trauma yeah. I, I, because I, I, he's got a he's got a neck issue. No, no, no I got my, my neck. My neck is killing. I got arthritis in my neck, and I'm hanging in the pocket and all that. I had eleven concussions. All I know is, Peter, um, listen. In my fifties, I thought I, I I beat the system. Then all of a sudden, I turned sixty-one. I, but I was like sixty-three in August. I'm like in my sixties. Man, I feel like I'm dealing with a bunch of stuff now. In my 50s, I thought I'd beat the system, but not so fast. Bobby fought the law, but the law fought back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's very discouraging at times, Peter. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate yeah, it so it much, is. buddy. Thank you so hey, much. Listen, thanks a lot, guys. It was great to be on with you. And, Bobby, take care of yourself. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Peter. All right. That was legendary NFL writer and Odyssey Sports NFL insider Peter King. Great insights. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.